The Dallas Cowboys lose yet again. And drama in the NBA. Except, again, it's not on the court. It's off the court. Damn. There's always something. Stephen A. Smith Show coming your way right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show, coming at you at the very least three times a week over the digital airwaves of YouTube. I'm here in my studios, thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, the official sports sponsor of the Stephen A. Smith Show. By the way, appreciate the love and support from our followers and subscribers. As usual, we've now eclipsed over 433,000 subscribers in the last nine months now. I can't thank y'all enough for the love. Keep it coming, and you know I'll keep on coming. Please make sure to continue to like and follow the Stephen A. Smith Show right here on YouTube. Just click the bell to get notified of all of our new content. While you're doing all of that, please don't forget to pick up a copy of my New York Times bestselling book, Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and first takes. Just go to straightshooterbook.com to get yourself a copy. Makes for the perfect Christmas gift. I'm here to tell you right now. It's very inspirational. At the end of the show, as always, I'll be taking your call, so make sure to hit me up. I'm back in studio, so the calls is right here. The phone will be ringing. It's 888 SAS5303, that's 888-727-5303. First order of business to get into is the Dallas Cowboys. I'm so surprised. I'm so surprised. You see, I knew what was going to happen. And the reason why I'm laughing and I'm smiling and all of this other stuff, because I set y'all up. I set y'all up. Y'all didn't see it coming. But I said all of those Cowboy fans just sorry, nauseating, get on my last damn nerve. Cowboy fans, I set all of y'all up. Because I knew what was going to happen, okay? The Cowboys and their lackluster performance against the Buffalo Bills losing 31 to 10 and snapping their five-game winning streak. I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. Dak Prescott threw for only 134 yards with no touchdowns and one interception. I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. How about Tony Pollard rushing for only 52 yards and zero touchdowns? And the Cowboys gaining a season low, gaining a season low, 195 yards of total offense. I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. Now, I didn't know that some dude named James Cook alone would have 221 yards from scrimmage. I didn't know that. That I did not know. But you know something? I got to get up just because this is necessary. Because I got to look y'all in the camera. I got to say this to y'all in y'all face. It was a setup. You see, here's what happened. This is the strategy. When you bloviate about the Dallas Cowboys and you elevate their stature, when you do that, the pressure mounts. Because not only are you America's team playing in that billion-dollar playpen known as Jerry World with the star in the helmet being worth $9 billion as a franchise when everybody else is worth $5 billion as a franchise. With all of that stuff going on, the allure, the star attraction, the star in your helmet, 100,000 people packed into the stadium, the tailgate parties that probably pack another 20,000. With all of that stuff going on, people, the minute the doors open, stampeding over one another just to get a seat. All of that stuff's going on. It builds expectations. And they can't handle it. I knew it. When Demarcus Lawrence was talking smack after they beat the Philadelphia Eagles, we're going to stomp you again. We're going to stomp you again. We're going to stomp you again. Well, they got stomped the very next game. Dak Prescott wasn't his fault. Wasn't his fault. The defense was getting ran over. 
literally, literally, this is what happens. This is what it is. Cook alone, 221 yards from scrimmage. I tried to tell y'all that. Josh Allen only completed seven passes, only threw the ball 15 times. What happened? Look at this right here. Come on over here, Scott. That's my jib operator. Go right here. Zoom it in. I want it 3D for that audience out there. 3D it. Okay? Look at that. Total yards, yards per play, pass yards, rush yards, first downs, doubled up on first downs. Okay? I tried to tell you. You see, what happens is, here's how it works. When the Dallas Cowboys have no expectations, they adopt their bunker mentality, devoid of pressure, and they're like, hey, let's go after it. When you got to throw the football instead of running it down their throats, they are right with that. But the minute you ground and pound, the minute you run it down their throats, the minute you attack Micah Parsons, that stud, I love him to death. Very few people, if anybody, can get at a pass rusher the way that he, uh, a pass, I'm sorry, the way that he can. I get all of that. But when you run the football at them, they look quite ordinary. And as a result, you see this picture right here? You see all of those Buffalo Bills all over the place? And look at poor Dak Prescott in the middle, getting squashed like a pancake. <laughs> you see what happened? I told you it was going to happen. And sure enough, it did. Now, understand what this all means. The Dallas Cowboys won't win the NFC East, which means they'll have to go on the road come playoff time. I don't know if you know this little stat, so I'm going to give it to you. Guess how many wins the Dallas Cowboys have on the road in the playoffs in the last 30 years. One! Just one. Last year against Tampa Bay. Look at their remaining schedule right there. You checking it out? Are you seeing it right there? Are you seeing it? They play the Dolphins on the road. That means they got to go to South Beach the night before. Keep that in mind. They play the Detroit Lions at home. They got a running game. Keep that in mind. And then they're on the road in the nation's capital. That's a win. The Dallas Cowboys, in all likelihood, have conceded the NFC division, the NFC East division, to the Philadelphia Eagles, assuming they don't nosedive. I'm sorry. <laughs> they just never let me down, y'all. They just never let me down. Let me move on to Steph Curry and the National Basketball Association on Sunday night. Steph Curry went 0 for 8 from three-point range in a Warriors win over the Portland Trailblazers. Marking the first time in a record 268 games, he did not make a single three-pointer. The last time Steph Curry failed to make a three-pointer in a regular season game was November 8, 2018, when he went 0-4 for 4 from deep in a 134-111 loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. No NBA player has come close to Curry's record of 268 straight threes, straight games with a three-pointer, that is. Milwaukee Bucks guard Damian Lillard now becomes the current leader with 102 consecutive games, okay? Let's make sure we see Curry's one, 
Then he's number two with 157 games. Then there's Kyle Culver with 127 games. Then there's Damian Lillard at 102 games, okay? All right? And then after that, there's Jordan Clarkson. Despite the win and Curry's historic feat, the Warriors have other issues. In my opinion, it's not just Draymond Green, who, by the way, according to reports, um, is now going into counseling to address whatever personal concerns and demons he's battling, and it should be a matter of weeks before uh, he finishes up with that and he's allowed back onto an NBA basketball court. That's one of the Golden State Warriors' issues. The other is Mr. Klay Thompson. Now, Mr. Klay Thompson, for those of you who have not been paying attention, spent the first eight years of his career arguably being a better shooter in some people's eyes than Steph Curry. Actually, I'm lying because there's never been a shooter better than Steph Curry, but he was right up there. But ever since that has taken place, ever since he tore his knee up, tore his knee up and then after that his Achilles and he was out two full seasons, Klay Thompson hasn't necessarily been the same. He's come back. He's helped the Golden State Warriors win a championship. Much love, respect, and credence to them for that. But this year, he hasn't been shooting the ball as well. Look right here at what we're talking about with Klay Thompson. 16.8 points per game, lowest since his second season in the league. 41.8% shooting from the field, which is a career low. And 37.4% from three-point range, which is also a career low. And by the way, that's an improvement based on what we were seeing a few weeks ago. Klay Thompson wants his money. Klay Thompson wants a hefty long-term deal. He's somebody I have tremendous compassion for because I know what a great player he is. But last but not least, here's the biggest thing about Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson was robbed of $30 million years ago when we didn't even put him on a first, second, or third All-NBA team and instead elected Kemper Walker for that. And it cost him max dollars, an additional $30 million. So instead of getting $221 million, he got $191 million. I don't blame him for his disgust with the media, but I wasn't one of those people because I certainly had him on the All-NBA team. The brother's special, but he hasn't looked that way this season. The other night, he dropped 30. Hopefully, he's getting it back. Shooters never lose their stroke completely. So I have faith in Klay Thompson, but he's got to get it together because when he and Steph Curry have it together, together, there's very few teams that can beat them. That's why they went to the finals six times and won four championships. Let me move on to a last subject before I go to break, and it involves Minnesota Timberwolves star guard Anthony Edwards. He's in the news for the wrong reasons, ladies and gentlemen. He's publicly walking back comments he made to a woman which appears to urge her to have an abortion. Now, I don't talk about stuff like this, but he commented on it. He's the 22-year-old Minnesota Timberwolves star, um, and he was put on blast in a series of social media posts this weekend by a Paige Jordan, or Jorday, J-O-R-D-A-E, who has more than a million followers. And naturally, she shared a recent text conversation that she says lays out Edward's wishes to terminate her pregnancy. The woman also shared a screenshot of a $100,000 wire transfer appearing to be from the former number one overall pick after providing proof of the procedure. Edwards issued a statement today on his social media account addressing the alleged text message thread shared between him and the woman saying, quote, I made comments in the heat of the moment that are not me and that are not aligned with what I believe and who I want to be as a man, he wrote. All women should be supported and empowered to make their own decisions about their bodies and what is best for them. 
I am handling my personal matters privately and will not be commenting on them any further at this moment in time. Edwards, whose first place Timberwolves play the Heat in Miami tonight, is having his best year yet in his fourth NBA season, in case y'all didn't know, averaging 24 points per game. Let me say this. <sighs> Anthony Edwards had to apologize because he is a public figure. Having said that, once again, here's the bigger lesson to be learned. Guard who you deal with. Once again, I'm singing that same old dance. It's none of our damn business. Who Anthony Davis is screwing around with, who he impregnated, he has a relationship with this woman and she put him on blast. She took text messages and revealed them to the public. I'm starting to wonder what repercussions somebody can have for having their privacy violated. That's what I'm wondering about. I'm not casting any aspersions. We live in a society, ladies and gentlemen, if Anthony Davis wanted her to have an abortion, respectfully, that's his business. We have pro-choice and we have pro-lifers all over the country. And I keep saying Anthony, da I keep saying Anthony Davis, I apologize. I mean, Anthony Edwards, I'm sorry. I say Anthony Davis so much because he played for the Lakers. We're not talking about him. We're talking about Anthony Edwards for the Minnesota Timberwolves, who I really get to talk about, who I would have loved to talk about involving basketball, but we got to talk about this because she violated their private affairs. She is a woman. She is free to do what she wants with her own body. This is America. If she's impregnated and she wants to have the child, that is her business. If Anthony Edwards does not want her to have the child, that is his business. There's no laws he's violating because he wouldn't want the child. There are pro-lifers and pro-choice folks all over this country. Just like we saw millions celebrating when the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade a couple of years back. We saw millions lamenting it. We saw the state of Ohio bragging about how the women came out and clearly were in support of other women because they were support of pro-choice, which means the choice to have an abortion if you so chose. So if women feel that way, what's wrong with a man feeling that way? I'm not one of those dudes. I'm not somebody who is a supporter of abortion, but I am a supporter of choice. Answer to God. That's your business. So this is not for us to judge Anthony Edwards. The, the bigger issue for us, not him, he got bigger issues. And he has to deal with that situation because if she elects to have that child, which it appears that's what she's willing to do, and if it is indeed his child, he has a responsibility as a father, and that is his business. He signed for over $200 million in the offseason. He'll be just fine. The issue is... She put him on blast. She revealed private text messages. That's what appears to be the case, which compelled and forced him to come out with a statement addressing the situation because of the manner in which he spoke to her about his wishes. I'm wondering when are some laws going to come into place 
where people like Anthony Edwards and others can retaliate legally for folks putting their private messages on blast. It's none of our business. She clearly did it to humiliate him and compel him to think the way she wants him to think. So she's using the public to do it by violating his privacy. When are we going to talk about that? That's all I'm saying. I'm not talking abortion or keeping the child. I'm not getting into all that. That's his business. And it's public consumption because he commented on it. But come on. Come on, y'all. 888-SAS-5303. That's 888-727-5303. Up next... The wonderful, incomparable Lala Anthony. She's got a lot of things to talk about. She'll be up on the show next, so stick around. Don't go anywhere. You're listening and watching live the Stephen A. Smith Show right here over the digital airways of YouTube. Don't go anywhere. Back with more in a moment. Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith Show. My next guest, she's really not a guest. She's a wonderful friend of mine. She's a talented actress and a New York Times bestselling author and a star of the hit stars drama series, Black Mafia family, she's stopping by to talk about a cause that is near and dear to her heart. Please welcome the incomparable, the wonderful, the beautiful, the lovely La La Anthony, Mrs. La La Anthony. How are you, girl? How's everything? Everything is great. I need you to introduce me every time I do something. I want that same introduction That's every right. time. That's I right. You deserve it. You've earned it. You've warranted it. No doubt about that. Thank for, you. For, Thank for, you. First things first, how are you doing? How's the holiday season treating you? How's life? Still working really hard. I, in my mind, I thought right around the holidays I would slow down a little bit, but you know how it goes. We never stop working. So working hard, managing my schedule, Cayenne's schedule, but always blessed, always grateful to be able to do the amazing things we're able to do and just happy that it's going to be Christmas, get some family time and have some fun. You've got a foundation, and that's really why you're here at this particular day to talk about this, because I know you know I'm going to bring you in studio. You know, we're going to have one of them lengthy conversations about life. Since, since you don't hesitate wait. to you don't hesitate to school me on life. We're going to do that <laughs> one of these days, okay? But you've got La La Land's Foundation 360 program. I want you to talk about that and just enlighten us all about what that's about and why it's so important to you to talk about that particularly this time of year. Definitely with the holidays coming up, you know, it's definitely all about giving back and we shouldn't wait for the holidays to give back. Giving back is something that's near and dear to my heart. So I started a initiative out of Rikers Island called 360. It's for young men ages 18 to 21. We're going to expand soon to young women as well. And it's mentorship, life building skills, you know, just filling a room up with love and, and positive energy and really giving these young men a second chance to be amazing citizens in their community. You know, a lot of times people don't want to give people a second chance. And I'm working with these young men so that when they come out, they become assets in our community and leaders in our community. And it's an initiative I'm incredibly, incredibly proud of. We've seen some amazing success out of Rikers Island and just excited to continue doing the work. I have no aversion to it whatsoever. I fully support you in that mission and congrats and props to you for doing it. But you know, there's a lot of folks out there, critics out there, anybody that would look at it and say, okay, those are people who were incarcerated. There's so many people out here who need some help. Why them? How do you answer that question? 
So I answer it by saying I primarily work with 18 to 21 because when I look at these young men, I do see Cayenne. And any young person out there is one bad decision, wrong place at the wrong time, wrong friend group from being, you know, incarcerated for something, you know. And I want to be sympathetic to that. I want to be a role model to those kids. I want to show them that there is a better way. And I'm just really proud of the work we're doing. I do this for Cayenne. You know, any of our children are one bad decision away from being right there with the rest of these kids. And I want to prevent that and be an advocate for giving these young men second chances out there in our community. What originally sparked this and how old and, and how old is this program? Explain that. What originally sparked this? So I was originally invited to Rikers Island by um, the mayor of New York to see a program called Fatherless No More that was headed by Pastor Tim Johnson. And I was just so blown away by the incredible work that he did. And, you know, just very grateful that he's opened the doors and allowed me to do my work there as well. So just going in there, seeing the work that was being done and saying, you know what, I want to continue doing the same stuff and put the la la twist on it. And that's how 360 was born. And again, the work just came out of a place of wanting to help and seeing so many of our young black and brown men lost out here, you know, in these communities and just wanting to be a positive light for them. I'm looking at you and I'm looking at your resume right here. Again, New York Times bestselling author, author, fashion and cosmetics mogul, created your own hair care line, by the way, Anala, if I remember correctly. Yes. You know, I, I'm just looking at a whole bunch of things, collaborated with Pretty Little Thing to create a summer line that highlights size <laughs> inclusivity. I'm looking at all the, did I miss anything? I mean, did I get anything wrong yet? I got here additional TV credits include the A&E series Unforgettable CBS crime drama, NYC 2022, popular VH1 scripted show, single ladies. I mean, you're doing it all. And I'm, I'm just saying to myself, watching you and knowing you the way that I do, because we've been friends for years. Obviously, we go way back. I'm thinking about one of your best friends in the world, Kim Kardashian, and some of the things that she's doing um, along the lines of politics and communicating with politicians to provoke change. I'm wondering, do you do that? And if you haven't, is that a next step for you? Because I know how brilliant you are because you educate Thanks. me all the time. So I, I, get scared. I get scared when you disagree with me because I'm like, you're going to have a good <laughs> point. You're going to get Thank you. Thank you. But you know what's great is having a best friend who understands that space because we can really lean on each other. You know, when I have questions about certain policies and certain laws and how do you change, you know, these policies and these laws, I'm able to call her. You know, I got on speed dial and say, hey, what do I do in this situation? How do I handle this? Or I'm talking to this person's lawyer. What, what happens here? So it's great that we're able to lean on each other that way in that space. But for now, I'm in the trenches. I'm going in Rikers Island. I, I, I'm, I'm in it. And then I get to lean on her to really guide me when it comes to the legal stuff and how to navigate that space as well. Now, you know I have to be careful, but I have to ask this question, Lala, because, I mean, the, see, I'm looking at it like this. First of all, when somebody like you walks any place, people are going to open their eyes and they're going to watch and they're going to listen. If, 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 if I'm fellas and, and that's incarcerated and I'm about to get out, I'm going to be free, I want all the help that I could get. But <laughs> damn, if Lala rolls up in there, I'm definitely going to want to listen to her with her beautiful self. I'm just wondering, <laughs> do you have any idea that, that, that it, it, it's kind of difficult for folks to stay focused and be concentrated when they're talking to you, Lala. I mean, have you thought about that at all? I think maybe for the first five minutes, but when I come in there, I demand respect and respect is what I'm given. And I just appreciate, you know, the respect that I'm given. I don't play any games. Like when you carry yourself in a certain way, 
people know they can't play with you. I come in that room and I demand respect, and that's exactly what I get in return. I, I, I am an eyewitness to that. I've known you for years, <laughs> yes. and, and when you roll up on me, it's like, Lord, what have I done? Let me make sure, <laughs> maybe make sure she's okay. But let me get back to you real quick because you're, I know what you're hoping to accomplish with this and basically preparing young men for the real world that awaits them. How concerned are you in this day and age, considering the divisiveness, how evil our society can be at times, the advent of social media, how so many voices are out there, but most importantly, how many people are affected by those very voices? How much does that play a role in terms of your tutelage and your preparation for these young men in order to get them set for what's out here waiting for them? What about that? How much does that play a role in the counsel that you provide? It plays a huge role and something I'm incredibly worried about and, and try to step in and show them, you know, a different way in the age of social media. Like you mentioned, so many of us want to look the part or do certain things to be to seem cool on social media or to seem cool to our friends. A lot of the young men in my program are there because they were, quote unquote, showing off for social media or, or, or did something on social media because their pride was hurt. And really just understanding the effect this has, especially on our young population out there and really getting them to understand that there's more to life than social media. There's more to life than looking a certain way. So it is a big concern of mine and something that I address and talk to. And I deal with it on a different level. You know, you get we all get criticized because we're public figures. People right. are talking stuff about us on social media. It could affect our self-esteem. Lying all the time. Lying every second. They, they do a whole bunch of that. Exactly. That too. Exactly. And it might change, you know, how we view ourselves. So I'm a very confident person and I try to bring that confidence in this in this room as well. And I just want to add one more piece. Please. Also, this week, we're doing a huge uh, winter wonderland for 400 inner city kids wow. out in the Bronx where we give Christmas to them. So, you know, my my work, yes, is primarily the 360 program out of Rikers Island. But my work is for anyone who needs it for anyone who's out there that needs a positive light in their life that needs someone to believe in them. I'm your person. Like I, I want to believe in you and give you that hope that I had growing up as, as a young person as well. So I just want to open it up to anybody that's out there that feels like they just need some guidance, some mentorship. I'm here for that. How receptive have the women in your life or how supportive should I say, have the women in your life been towards helping you achieve this goal? incredibly, you know, supportive, especially my mom. I mean, growing up, she just taught us like, you know, you should never judge anyone. You don't know what a person has been through. You know, don't don't judge people. Give people a second chance. People make mistakes. Have grace. Have mercy. So those are the same things I tell myself as I'm doing this work, whether it's inside of Rikers Island or outside of Rikers Island. You know, a lot of us have been through a lot of things that have shaped some of our decisions, shaped the people that we are. And you got to have grace and, and, and compassion for a lot of people out there for sure. Your voice is obviously something that is a voice that resonates and you have a lot of things to say, a lot of positive, a lot of productive, a lot of substantive things to say. One would argue that acting as much as you love it and as much as you as well as you do it, um, the voice that you could have, I watch you host, guest host The Breakfast Club, for example. I know what you could do in a chair like that and stuff like that. Ever contemplate because <laughs> of the kind of voice that you could have? Ever contemplate doing those things on a full-time basis? I'm laughing because I feel like you and my mom had a conversation before this right, interview. Right, you, you, you sound you. exactly like my mom. Listen, there are things that 
you're passionate about. Acting is my passion. Acting is what I love. Your passion is something that you would do if you weren't getting paid for it, something that you love that much. That's how I feel about acting. So I'm always going to chase my passion. And it's great that, you know, I have this space as well. If I ever decide this is what I want to do, it's awesome to have that kind of ace in my back pocket. But for now, acting is my passion. And that's really what I'm, what I'm chasing and continuing to grow and get better at. And I love BMF. We're coming back in mm-hmm. March for a brand new season. It's going it's to be on and oh. popping. So excited for that. Oh, don't you worry about that. I, I was going to bring up BMF. Don't get because I got a question about that. But before I let you get on out of here and before I ask you about that, I mean, the passion for acting, why is that? Because I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I don't know if you noticed, I got a recurring role in General Hospital. I don't know if you knew that. I got a, recur- I got a recurring role in General <laughs> Hospital. I've never thought about acting in my damn life, Lala, but I got to tell you something. I'm fascinated by the fact that I could be whatever the role allows me to be. I actually plan on taking acting lessons. What is it that you love? about acting so much? The passion stems from, again, creating a character, becoming and immersing myself in this character, becoming someone else. But the passion also comes from being told so many times that I couldn't do it. Mm. I was told so many times that you're a TV host, you're an MTV host, you can't transition to acting, there's no such thing, just be happy with what you're doing. And I'm like, you know what, I love this and I'm gonna prove people wrong and I can really do this. So the passion also stems from a place where I'm in constant competition with myself that Mm. I can do this and I can become really great at it. And that's what I'm working towards. Wow. BMF, Black Mafia Family. Uh, I was going to really ask you what can we expect, but I'm, I can only imagine what can, it's a we, roller coaster what, ride. what we can expect from Marquisha Taylor on that show. It's a, it's a roller coaster ride. My only, I, I love the show. I love the acting stuff like that. Sometimes I find myself wishing it was someplace other than Detroit, based out of something <laughs> other than Detroit, but I understand it. That's why, I mean, damn it, that's the real, it, it, it's that's two elements to it. Story. And you know what was so incredible? We went to Detroit for a lot of it to shoot, and we actually shot in the house that Meech and Terry grew up in wow. that their mom still lives in. So to be in the house, like in that environment and just feel all of that energy around you, it was just a crazy experience. But Detroit has shown us so much love. So shout out to Detroit. And, you know, like you said, the story takes place in Detroit, Atlanta. But now as the seasons go on, you'll see it start expanding into a bunch mm. of different places. Television or film, what's your preference? For me, I love television. Because? Consistency. I love the consistency of television. I like to know that for the next five or six months, I have this job locked in. I'm going to work on a day-to-day basis. I like the consistency. And then if I could throw a movie or two in, in between all of that, then I feel like that's that's a good slate for me. I'm happy with that. You, you know, I'm looking at it, and I got to admit, I, I, it, few things don't make me mad on television. But I was mad when Keisha got killed on, on <laughs> Power. It really bothered me. That really bothered me. I'm like, keep her around for crying out loud. But then I understood that, you know what, there was going to be other stuff. But I, I was just saying to myself, damn it. I, that, I mean, I just I was I was mad as all get out. I missed that whole cast. You know, Amari and Joseph and all of those are my boys and the whole bit. And 50 Cent is just that dude. What is it like? What has somebody like 50 Cent done for your career, considering what you've been able to accomplish? 50 Cent has changed my career. 50 Cent is one of my closest friends and just him believing in me and instilling that confidence in me for me to be confident to do what I do. I'm forever grateful for him to give me that shot on power. And yes, I auditioned and I worked hard for it, but for him to say, no, Laws our pick, let's go with her and give me that confidence. And then now to transition to BMF and him and I have a bunch of projects that we're working on together. Mm-hmm. It's incredible when you can work with a friend, a mentor, and just, you know, learn from, he's so smart in this space to be able to learn from him. It's like a master class every single day. I don't think anybody realized how brilliant 50 Cent is. I mean, brilliant. It, it, he's brilliant. 
I did an brilliant. interview with him years ago. He's, he's just a brilliant brother. Before I let you get on out of here, my last question, uh, Mr. Carmelo Anthony, that's my brother. You know how much I love him. You and he, you got a son, Kaya, and you brought him up. 6'4", junior, out of Long Island Lutheran High School, uh, a top 50 prospect in the 2025 recruiting class. Uh, I'm looking at these things right now. I, I'm not going to talk about him much because he's a kid. You understand? He's a kid, right? But I, 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 I want to know from Mama's perspective, um, what, what, what do we need to expect from Cayenne in the next couple of years or so? You know, you can expect whatever it is that Cayenne wants to do. Melo and I both don't put any pressure on him. We let him know that we will support him throughout this journey. We are his number one fans, but it's what he wants to do. He has to pave his own way, and whatever decisions he makes, we're going to support him. We'll always be courtside at every game cheering him on, but we're letting him navigate through this space and figure out exactly what he wants to do, and we're just kind of guiding him along the way. So whatever God's plans are for Cayenne, that's what it's going to be. That is a beautiful answer. Obviously, from his mama, I get that. But you know a thing or two about some basketball, damn it. I, I yes. mean, Carmelo Anthony, one of the greatest scorers in the history of the game. I'm asking about Cayenne's game, game. from mama's game. perspective. From mama's his perspective. His shot is very similar to his dad's. His okay. dad taught him since I can't even remember how old. So that shot mm -hmm. has 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 mellow written all over okay. it. And it's very exciting to see and watch. Um, he's tough like his dad. And I think uh, he's going to be an incredible asset to Lou High and any college team he ultimately decides to go to. I got you. All the best to you. I'm so proud of you. You as too. I always. can't wait to come hang out with you. I got to come in the hey, studio. Hey, listen, we're we going to have one of those conversations I be seeing you have with everybody else, but they don't <laughs> quite interview the way that I interview. We're going to have that Don't conversation. You understand? We're going to have that conversation on the couch. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, girl. Okay. All the best to you. Same, and happy holidays. I'll see you soon. Happy holidays. I'll see you real soon. Right. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. The lovely Lala Anthony right here with yours truly, Stephen A. Smith. That was a treat, a treat. Make no mistake about that. Back with more of the Stephen A. Smith Show in a minute. Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith Show. I'd like to transition to one of my favorite subjects, and that is, of course, all the reasons why the Dallas Cowboys will not be winning the Super Bowl again this year. I'm going to waste too much of your time, but I just want to let that pause for a second here because I know there's a whole bunch of Cowboy fans out there sitting out there watching, listening. I'll oh, get the hell out of here. We're going to do it. We're going to finally do it. You know we're going to win the Super Bowl next year, right? You know we're going to win the Super Bowl next year, right? You've been saying that since 1995. It ain't happened then. It ain't happened since, and it damn sure ain't going to happen now. But I got five reasons to tell you why. Rather than just laughing in your face like I love to do, trolling you, trolling you like I love to do, Instead, I'll tell you now, let's start with number five on the list. Please give it to me right here. Bam! The San Francisco 49ers. You know you ain't better than them, right? You know they're superior at the quarterback position, superior at the running back position, superior at the wide receiver's position, superior as a defensive unit as well. When you saw them, they stomped you. They beat you down like you stole something, 42 to nothing. And oh, by the way, as quick and as fast and as athletic as you are, the problem is you don't have them big boys, those meat and potato dudes, to really stymie a team with a vaunted running attack. They got one with the best running back in football and Christian McCaffrey, who's a league MVP candidate. You ain't beating the San Francisco 49ers. That's one of the five reasons. Top five. I got them at number five. Let's go to number four on the list. Please give it to me right now. Bam. Road games. You're undefeated at home. On the road is where your four losses occurred. 
You see, you struggle on the road. It's a difficult thing for you. You struggled at Arizona. You struggled at San Francisco. Got annihilated, by the way. You struggled at the Philadelphia Eagles at Lincoln Financial Field. And you got beat up in Orchard Park, Western New York, against the Buffalo Bills Sunday, just yesterday. When you go on a road, you're allergic to prosperity. You can't handle it. You can't handle the pressure. You feel it. You feel it. Did you know that as Cowboy fans, your team has only won one playoff game in their last 30 tries, last 30 years rather? One. And that was against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. Other than that, you don't win games on the road come postseason time. And since you lost yesterday to the Buffalo Bills, you ain't going to win the division, which means you're going to have to go on the road which means you ain't going to lose it. You ain't going to win again. Let's go to top three on the list, please. Give it to me. Bam! Penalties. You notice how I wrote here, immaturity. Demarcus Lawrence. Remember all of that talk he was talking about? You're going to stomp on you. You're going to stomp on you again. You're going to stomp on you again. Remember that? And then he commits a roughing the pass a penalty against Josh Allen. They were about to kick a field goal because they were about to be stopped. And his stupid penalty gave them a first down let them continue their drive, and they scored a touchdown. These kind of things kind of get you. The Dallas Cowboys lead the league in penalties. It's what they do. Very, very undisciplined. You're not winning that way. That's why it's on that list. Let's go to number two on the list. Please give it to me right now. Bam. Run defense. Did I mention that they gave up over 250 yards, 269 yards rushing to be exact? Did I mention some guy named James Cook ran for 225 himself? From scrimmage, did I mention the fact that he ran roughshod all over them, just like Arizona did, just like San Francisco did? When the Dallas Cowboys lose games, you know why? It's because you can run the football on them, which means Michael Parsons and the crew can't rush the passer because you're targeting him when you're running the football. And as a result, you don't know what to do. And that's why you lose. So that's top two right there. That ain't the number one thing on the list as to why the Dallas Cowboys will not win the Super Bowl this year. You know what number one is, right? You know who's to blame for the Dallas Cowboys losing yet again, right? Because it's coming. Give me number one, please. Bam. Fans. Y'all sorry behinds. You see, you would think by this time you would try an alternative plan that you would use your senses, that you would reach the conclusion that maybe if we just shut the hell up and let them play and not attach expectations to them, they might finally not feel the pressure and actually be able to get something done. But no, you got to stick out your chest. No, we're going to win the Super Bowl next year, right? No, we're going to win the Super Bowl next year, ready? You won't shut the hell up. And they can't deal with the pressure. They can't take it because they can't live up to expectations of playing in Jerry World in the billion-dollar playpen with the star in the helmet, with the best cheerleaders in the business. They can't handle it. Jerry Jones can handle it because he's a marketing genius. Stephen Jones can handle it because he's a seed in Jerry Jones. But the players themselves that are called upon to produce can't gumption up the moxie, the nerve, the necessary poise when necessary to get the job done. And it's all y'all fault. That's the beauty of this. See, it wouldn't be as fun if I could point to the players. You know, Dak's a good guy. 
He's going through a lot in his life. He's overcome a lot in his life. He's a hell of a player. Dak's a good guy. Micah Parsons is my brother. Love Micah Parsons. He's a stud. Okay? Trevon Diggs, I wish he was healthy. Because he's, some, he's sensational himself. I get it. But it's y'all. It's the fans. You're the reason why y'all going to suck when it matters most. I told you this was going to happen when you went up against Philly. I told you this was going to happen when San Francisco beat you down. I told you it was going to happen when you went into Buffalo yesterday. But you wouldn't listen. Y'all fell for the okie doke when you saw me talk about how Dak was an MVP candidate. When I said the Dallas Cowboys could win the division. When I had the Dallas Cowboys as the second best team in the National Football League elevating the level of expectations. You know why I elevated those levels of expectations? Because I knew they wouldn't be able to live up to it. Bam! They will plummet to the ground. I knew it. And y'all fell for it. <laughs> it never fails. It never, ever fails. And guess what? I'm going to do it again. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to bite. Because you can't help it. Because you really want to believe they're going to finally win that Super Bowl. Look at these fans. <laughs> I give this dude credit. I give this dude credit right here. Because he's trying to hide his identity. This dude right here, you can't tell his identity because of the glasses and the hat. But you can't hide. Look at this. Look at this right here. Look at these idiotic looking fans. You can't help yourself. You can't help yourself. He should hide. But you all will learn. It's time to go to my tweets before I get on out of here for the day, all right? Let's look at some of these tweets on the big screen, and then after that, I'm going to go to your calls before I get on of here. This guy, at Josh Medro, right? Stephen A., what is the correct way to wipe yourself standing or sitting, needing to know? That is a nasty-ass question. You're a nasty, desperate-ass individual. You're a human being. What you asking me a question about how to wipe your ass for? What's wrong with you? First of all, you should be sitting because stuff might drip on you. That's number one. Number two is just a nasty question to ask a grown-up person. You have no cooth, no class, okay? Knowing you, you probably shit on yourself. You need to get your act together for asking some dumbass question like that. Don't ever sit up there and tweet me again. Matter of fact, make sure y'all take his name down and ban him from tweeting this show because he's an idiot, a new fool. That's just disgusting. Unless, of course, you have problems that you can't really articulate. And if that's the case, and you may not have known any better, I apologize for everything that I said. But if you don't have any problems, you're not disabled in any way, and you're just a nasty, trifling ass that sent me that tweet, you're going to be banned from this show. Just want you to know that. Let's go to the next one right here, please. At not the top, the top tick. Out of the old man squad of KD, Chris Paul, Curry, and LeBron, who do you see retiring first? Chris Paul. I know he desperate, he's desperate to win a championship because the other three have. KD has two. LeBron and Steph have four. I get it. CP3 has none, even though he's one of the greatest point guards to have ever played this game. I just think he's older, not than LeBron, but he's older than the rest. He's not nearly in the health of LeBron. And I think the clock is ticking in terms of father time on his health. That's my issue with Chris Paul. I think he would be the first to retire. Plus, he has a boatload of opportunities waiting for him once he retires because he's class personified. He's very, very smart. Um, and he knows how to maneuver through the terrain of the world of 
business to get the kind of things that he wants. And he has phenomenal, phenomenal connections. So let's not forget about that. Chris Paul is something special. He would be the first out of this group to retire, however. Let's go to the next one right here, please. At Randy J. Cruz writes, who's on your wrestling Mount Rushmore? Now, mind you, I'm not talking about best wrestlers. I'm talking about my favorites, okay? And I'm telling you right now, the last one I'm going to pick is a tag team, so you're going to accept five faces even though it's four, okay? Here's the deal. I'm going to put Goldberg. First of all, he was phenomenal, and I loved his entrance. It's my all-time favorite entrance, even though The Rock was a close second in terms of entrance. But I loved me some Goldberg. He was my all-time favorite, okay? So that's Goldberg, all right? That's number one. I got to put Hulk Hogan as number two. Wrestling wouldn't be what it is today and what it has been for decades if it was not for the great Hulk Hogan. I ain't talking about Hollywood Hogan. I'm talking about Hulk Hogan, okay? Before he went to the NWA, was a bad guy. I'm talking about when he was in the World Wrestling Federation and he was a good guy. I'm talking about the guy that body slammed Andre the Giant. I'm talking about the guy that beat Randy Macho Man Savage and various others, that Hulk Hogan, okay? I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight for your rights. Fight for what's right. That Hulk Hogan, okay? Dan, 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 dan. I'm telling you, that music was fly. That's number two. Number three. Whoa, the nature boy, Ric Flair. You know something? You remember when he did that thing, Buddy Landell? Now, Buddy Landell, it's so hard for me to sit here listening to a guy hollering my name when last year I spent more money on spilt liquor in one bar from this side of the world to the next than you made. You talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, wheeling dealing, kiss dealing. Whoa! I did that wrong. Limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. And I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Whoa! That Ric Flair. He's got to be on the list. Because that man entering the ring with the robe on. Yes. That Ric Flair. That's number three. And number four for me, (sighs) The Rock I love so much. I love the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. I loved Magnum T.A., Belly to Belly Slam. Oh, yeah. Randy Macho Man Savage, remember him? Ultimate Warrior, the whole bit. But me, I loved the Road Warriors. The Road Warriors. I'm sorry, you got to put five faces up there. Four entities, but five faces. Goldberg, Ric Flair, Goldberg, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, and the Road Warriors. That's me. I'm just going a little old school for you right there. Before I get on out of here, let me go to the fall, to the calls, 888-SAS-5303. That's 888-727-5303. Let's go to the calls. Let's go to Josh in Ohio. You're live with Stephen A. What's up, Josh? How are you? 
I'm good. How are you, Stephen? Talk to me, man. Happy holidays. Hey, so I am talking to a girl right now. And this girl has literally told me the entire time her best quality is that she has a bucket hat with a pizza PNG. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. You're losing me. You have to like, explain it in English. You said she had a bucket hat? What? A bucket hat. Like, you know the hats in, like, Florida and all that that everyone wears that, like, just th- those hats. Okay. So what? what and what? It, it's like a pizza PNG design. She told me that is her best quality. That's I need to know. What would you do if you had a girl tell you that? Well, let me ask you this question. How fly is she? She's pretty fly. She looks really good? Oh, yeah, really good. You're very attracted to her? Oh, yeah. Well, if you're very attracted to her and she says that's what her best quality is, why don't you investigate further and find out what other qualities she has and then convince her that there are other qualities that are better than that hat? Okay. Okay. You feel, Thank what, you, you feel what I'm saying? Convince I feel her, exactly conv- convince her that, um, excuse me, there are other qualities you have that you have not even realized. And I'm okay. here to educate you about what those are because you are something special. She'll blush. She might even listen to you. And who knows mm-hmm. how far that'll get you. Matter okay. of fact, matter of fact, while you're getting your groove on, she might take the hat off. Ooh. Now, what you don't want is for her to be like that woman and I'm going to get you, sucker, with Keenan <laughs> Ivory Wayans, when she pulled oh, yeah. off her breast, her butt, her leg, eyes, her hair, and everything else. You Don't make me hop after you. You don't want that. Okay? Okay. All right. Have a nice day. Get on out of here. You too. Let's go to Jamie. You're live with Stephen A. What's going on, Jamie? How are you? Jamie in Texas. What's, What's going up? on, Stephen A? How you doing, sir? I'm, I'm good. Talk to me. What's going on, man? Yes, sir. Listen, the incident that happened yesterday in the Denver Broncos game when head coach Sean Payton went off on Russell Wilson. Okay. How do you feel about that? Didn't bother me at all. It didn't? Not not even a little bit. He's the head coach. He didn't choke him. He didn't put his hands on him. He was yelling at him because he thinks that he made a mistake. He's the coach. He can do that. But Russell Wilson's a, gr- Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson's a grown ass man. The exactly, man, it ain't like I've the man never, hit him. I've never seen him do Drew Brees like that. He never had a reason to do Drew Brees like that. Come on, Steve you know Drew Brees. I mean, you don't. You do know but, that Drew Brees. Uh, I mean, I like Russell Wilson. He's a Super Bowl right. champion. But you do know right. that Russell Wilson ain't on Drew Brees level. You understand that, right? Yes, yes, sir. Okay, got it, got okay, it. okay. We talked about a man in Drew Brees that threw for over 80,000 yards. True. He didn't true, have a I'm reason. He didn't have a reason to go after, go after. And not only that, he was in New Orleans with Drew Brees for many years. He didn't inherit right. Drew Brees being in a situation that was a moribund, pathetic situation that Sean Payton inherited in part because of Russell Wilson. Now, Nathaniel Hackett wasn't that impressive, which is why he's gone, and we get that. But the other side uh-huh. to it is that Russell Wilson was in Denver that first year feeling himself with his new contract and rich new owners that were doing everything but putting a, uh, an apron and a bib on him. 
And Sean Payton had to walk in there and clean all of that mess up and let you know it's a new day. It's a different era. There's certain expectations that I have here, and I'm going to be very demanding of you, which Russell Wilson knew. All a man did was yell at Russell Wilson. But you don't, you don't think that, that that took away from Russell Wilson being like the captain, the leader of the team? But he didn't me, deserve he, it. He Are you listening? He, Are you listening? He walked into Denver, and this guy had his own coach, his own chef, uh, damn near his own office for crying out loud. He was living a different and separate life from the team. Sean Payton gets the job. He arrives in Denver for the press conference. And the first thing he did when he got there and the reporters asked him, he said, it's a new day. Ain't going to be none of that this year. You can cancel that. He put everybody on notice because yep, that was one yep. of the things that fragmented and separated the team. Hell with that. What the yep, hell is wrong yep. with our society? You're a grown ass man. You're on the football field in the throws and the heat of competition. Because he raised his voice and he was a bit demonstrative, that's a problem. Russell Wilson was free to kick, to clap back at Sean Payton if he wanted to. He wasn't going to get cut. He wasn't going to lose his salary. He could have spoken for himself, but he probably didn't because he knew he was wrong. True. Goodbye. I just wanted to get your perspective on it. No, I just wanted to get your perspective on it. Come on, man. You're trying to defend it, man. Come on, man. You can't defend that. We a bit too soft. We a bit too soft. With this social media area that we in, I the hell with the social media era. But listen, listen, Stephen. That's what I'm telling you, Jamie. You don't you don't think his wife felt some type of way about it? Who gives a who gives a shit what his wife felt? That's his wife. Oh, really? Is that what you're telling me now? That Sean Payton should have been sensitive to how the white feels at home when you're on a football field trying to win a football game? I, it, 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 Shut for up. Me, Enough. For me, Enough. For me, it's just... Tyler, Pittsburgh, you're live with Stephen A. I can't believe that ignorant call. Go ahead, Tyler. What's up? Stephen A., how we doing, man? I apologize about that last call. That Go was ahead, man. Crazy. It is very ignorant. Go ahead. I got you. Listen, man, I'm someone from Pittsburgh. I'm a huge Steelers fan. I am enjoyous with you. Seeing the Dallas Cowboys lose last night, it was fun to watch. But my question is this. Uh, if you ever want, uh, this is like a really weird analogy. Um, you take it too long you know to, answer how, your damn, to ask your damn question, though. You take it too long. Come oh, on, yeah. let's go. Let's go. Uh, do you think the Dallas Cowboys view you as like their version of J. Joe Jameson? Like how J. Joma James says Spider-Man, do you think you are the editor on Superman? Did somebody the editor on Superman? On Spider-Man, yeah. J. Yeah, Jonah yeah. Jameson, the editor for the newspaper where Clark Kent was working with Lois Lane and he was the boss. Oh, you talk about Spider-Man. Talk about Spider-Man, yes, J. Sir. Jonah Jameson. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Yes. Well, you could you could see you can say the Daily Wire. No, I don't believe you views the, the Dallas Cowboys view me that way because they don't pay me and I don't pay them. Have a nice day. Next call. Liam in Queens, you're live with Stephen A. What's up? How's it going, Stephen A.? I'm all right. What's up? Happy holidays. Happy holidays, man. I just wanted to ask if you uh, heard about what Eric Adams said yesterday. What did he say? So he was asked to summarize the year in one word. And he said, quote, New York, this is a place where every day you wake up, you could experience everything from a plane crashing into our trade center through a person who's celebrating a new business that's open. So just some really strange comments. And, you know, he used, you also the, word, he used the word, some he, wild. he used the word celebrate about planes crashing into a building. 
He said, this is a place where every day you wake up, you could experience a plane crashing into our trade center. Okay. Well, thank God he didn't use the word celebrate. That's number one. Number two, that is a strange answer. I can't deny that. Um, I'm quite sure he had the best of intentions. He is a New Yorker uh, through and through. Um, he's, he's striving to be a great mayor. He's taking on a lot of battles. The FBI is investigating them. Um, you've got a situation where immigrants are being funneled into the city. Um, it's being treated damn near like a sanctuary city. Uh, we've got crime to deal with. We've got homelessness. We've got immigrants to deal with, uh, who are here, um, illegally. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going on. It's a lot of challenges. I'm not going to nitpick and denigrate the mayor. Certainly is a better choice of words that I think that he could have come up with. There's no doubt about that, but I'm certainly not going to denigrate him uh, for not finding the right phrases and the right words to articulate his point of view. It happens. Nobody's perfect. Sure. All right. Take it easy, man. Let's go to Raja, our last call. Raja in Atlanta, Georgia. You're live with Stephen A. Talk to me. What's up, Raja? Hey, Stephen A. How are you? I'm all right. Talk to me. Yeah. What do you think about the DeMonte Casey suspension yesterday? Who? Uh, DeMonte Casey. So basically, Gardner, Gardner Minshew threw a hospital ball and Michael Pittman got concussed. And there's no way DeMonte could have done anything about it. And then he gets suspended for the rest of the year. And Tom Brady has been talking about this, where he's like, all the QBs need well, to throw the ball in the right pocket. Right. I, mean, I feel like the NFL is getting too soft. Well, let me say this to you. I did not see the play. I apologize. I should have. I've been dealing with a lot of sports topics and all of that stuff today. Uh, since last yeah. night, for some reason, I missed that play. So I apologize for that, no doubt. Yeah. What I will say to you, however, is this. Um, there's a lot of rules and regulations we can lament and we can complain about. But when a league makes it clear these are what the rules are and they don't deviate from it, you have an obligation to adjust accordingly. And when you're not willing to adjust, there's no way around it. You have to be punished. And so, again, when it says the rest of the year, um, obviously they're trying to imply there was a track record there. Clearly, he's not a first-time offender in their eyes. As a result, they made the decision that they made. I'd have to call the league office to find out more about what you're articulating. But what I would say is that what we have to do is understand that as Americans, we've gotten to a point in our society where we complain about every damn thing. We don't want any rules and regulations. Well, when there are no rules and regulations, there's chaos. And when chaos exists and it prevails, anything goes. You don't have any order. You don't have structure. You don't have balance. You don't have those things that lend itself towards success and continuity in the long haul. We need to be careful about what we're talking about and what we're thinking about. Every time we turn around, we want something changed. Okay? And I'm saying you can want things changed, and that's cool. But you also have to accept when they aren't changed. And if they're not changed, those rules and regulations that are still in place are what you must capitulate to if you want to remain a part of something structured, substantive, and successful. That is the way that it goes. 
And we need to go about the business of making sure we instill that in the minds of our young people everywhere. Because unless we start doing that, we're just going to get worse and worse as a society inside and outside the world of sports. You feel me? No, I think I, I totally agree with you. I just think the QBs need to be way more accurate. Like Tua okay. last week hit Waddle and Waddle almost had a concussion and it wasn't Waddle's fault. Okay. He just stretched out I got and it. the ball. I, I got it. Think. And I'm saying to you, yeah. you can find a plethora of situations where something is not somebody's fault, but they end up paying the price. And we get that. We have yeah. to accept that. That's just the way it goes. Happy holidays. I got to get on out of here, right? Take it easy. Yep. All right. Hold on. I got one more bonus uh, tweet that somebody sent out. Uh, at, what is that? Un, un, Andre 3000 is go. Last tweet here. Somebody just texted, just tweeted this to me. When it comes to women, how thick is too thick? How thick is too thick? Do we have a photo? I've asked y'all this on many occasions. Do we have a photo of Rasputia? Remember that from Norbit? Right there. That's too damn thick. That right there is too damn thick for me. Now, my boy Pooley, that's right up his alley. Ladies and gentlemen, his name is Rodney Cowan. Raised on 2-3rd Street in Hollis Ave. One of my best friends on the planet. Don't see him much. Don't talk to him much. You will never hear me say I have a better friend than him. I love him like a brother. That's my man. Okay? But one of the reasons we don't hang out much is because of that right there. That's why he loved being around. Okay? That is not me. Okay? I... When you think of me, okay, in terms of what I like, think Beyonce, think J-Lo, you know, think of Kim Kardashian, think, uh, I'm talking about figures. Figures is what I'm talking about, okay? Think of Cardi B, all right? Think of Shakira. You know, I'm very flexible. You can be 110 pounds to 170 pounds. As long as the curves are all right, I'm good. That's me, okay? But there are limits. That's it. I can't function like that. I'm not knocking any man who can. Pooley can. My boy Pooley can. I got a, a, one of my boys, his name is, I call, we call him Money Mark. He know who he is. Money Mark. That's what money, money Mark. We, we, all know, we all know who Money Mark is, okay? Now that brother right there, okay, my man Money Mark, you know, Pooley, uh, 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 a few others that I've known throughout life. I mean, they, they, they like the stuff that like tilts cars. I'm not exaggerating. Like, people think I'm joking. Pooley called up to my radio show one time and literally said, it's true. Like, you get in this car and you think you got a flat tire. You really don't. It's just that the car tilted. Because that's what he likes. That's not me. Okay, Sanai Lathan, another name. Megan, good. How could I? Lord have mercy. Megan, good. Let's not forget her either. Okay? People like that. That, 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 that range. That's me, okay? 
Not that. Not that. That is entirely too much thickness. For me, other men out there, more power to you, number love for y'all. Nothing but love for y'all. Speaking of love, but on an entirely different level, I wanted to take a moment to close out the show to show some love um, as my last words for the day. Love that I wanted to echo and disseminate about a veteran journalist and a man I've looked up to my entire career. His name is Mr. Bryant Gumbel who is saying farewell to his show, Real Sports with Brian Gumbel. Uh, and by the way, that show is running its final episode this Tuesday after 29 seasons on the air. Now, you may look at Brian Gumbel and you may see him on Real Sports and they've won countless Emmys. They've won a Peabody Award and stuff like that. That's the show led by him. Let me tell you a little something about him. He worked on NBC's Today Show for 15 years. He did CBS This Morning for several years. He used to do NBC Sports. He's covered the Olympics. He's covered the PGA. He's covered the World Series. He's done a host of things. He is simply one of the greatest journalists this nation has ever seen. He was doing this since the 70s. Now, I want you to imagine that we're just a few years removed from the civil rights era and the civil rights movement. I want you to think about the paucity of African-Americans on the airwaves. I want you to think about the trials and tribulations we've experienced as a community, the struggles that we've had just to gain a level of recognition, let alone opportunities. And I want you to understand during all those times, this man, Brian Gumble was a constant figure, putting on display a level of exceptionalism that was unrivaled, spanning more than 40 years on television in this business. There's a lot of people that I've looked up to throughout the years. Ralph Wiley, Michael Wilbon, who's still doing great things for ESPN. The late, great Stuart Scott and John Saunders. There's so many people that have paved the way for people like myself to be where I am today. Nobody, and I mean nobody, has done it better than Brian Gumbel. Let me not forget the late, great Ed Bradley from 60 Minutes in those categories of greats who happen to be African-Americans, who paved the way for people like myself. But for Brian Gumbel to be 75 years of age and walking away now on his own terms after 29 years doing what he's been doing for HBO's Real Sports with Brian Gumbel is a testament to greatness. Anybody could have great moments. Anybody could be great for a moment, but true, true greatness in any chosen field is the kind of greatness that is sustained, that withstands the test of time, 
that transcends eras. Because no matter what era you lean towards, you simply can't push them aside because they're too great to do so. That is the personification of Bryant Gumbel. He is not dead. He has not passed away. He has overcome numerous obstacles, physical injuries, two bouts with cancer. So many other changes have taken place in his life. And no matter what he was enduring or experiencing, all we've ever seen from him is excellence and a standard that has never, ever been eclipsed by anyone in this industry. I not only respect this man, I revere him. And I wanted to end the show today by honoring him with that reverence, by simply saying thank you for the greatness you put on display for so many years. The greatness you've articulated and attempted to spread to those who continue to follow in your footsteps. We'll never measure up, but because of you, we will always strive to do so because you are the standard, sir. I love you and I appreciate you. Congratulations on your wonderful, illustrious career and may the rest of your life be just as fulfilling as you've been to all of us. Peace and love. This is Stephen A. Smith signing off. Until next time, everybody. See you later.